The first match for the U.S. men's national team in 2014 is already here against South Korea on Saturday. This is the SBS Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me, as always, is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, buddy? Nothing much, Garrett. We're uh, we're still here freezing our butts off in New Jersey. Uh, no end in sight to the cold weather, but we're making do, and uh, I guess it'll help us warm them up a little bit, the fact that the U.S., is finally back and finally going to play their first game since November. I know how. I mean, half. I mean, half of the nation is going to watch that game on Saturday. It'll be freezing yet. Yeah, it's going to be. So, it's already sold out in LA, and everyone's going to be t-shirts and shorts. It's going to be nice, man. It's going to be a good one. I don't know what the weather's going to be like. I, you know what? I'm, I don't know if I'm even, if I'm going to be able to even watch the game live. I'll be. I'll actually be at UFC 169 at the Prudential Center in New Jersey. Uh, I'll hopefully have a an online stream where I'll be able to watch the game, and mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how these guys do. I don't even know if I'm going to be able to watch the game live. I'm going to a golf tournament this weekend. Well, you and I might have to find replacements for the next show, the recap show. You should be at a hospital because you're like apparently deathly ill right now. Dude, okay. First off, first off, you're being ridiculous. I'm, I didn't say I'm deathly ill. I did not say that. I said I am sick, and that's because of my girlfriend. So, well, other than, okay, folks, just to give you an idea, he's got a hacking cough. And his pink eye, and apparently he's breaking chairs now. I don't know. Something's wrong. Something's wrong with uh, Garrett Cleverly, folks. I, <laughs> I can't believe I have pink eye. It's disgusting, dude. It's absolutely disgusting. I've never had it before in my life. You gotta tell your roommates to stop farting in your pillows. Yeah, everyone keeps saying that. I feel like that's like an urban legend. I don't know. You got me. On I don't know if I believe that. Some of the kids at the academy were saying Squat. that, and I was like, "What are you talking about? I've never heard that before." You should do a PSA, everybody. Make sure you wash your hands after you go to. The- no, what happened was my girlfriend said, "I'm sick. Don't come over," and I said, "I'll be fine." Yeah, that's what Good happened. Uh, well, Ivis, it feels like we just did a show, but we do have some things to talk about. U.S. Men's National Team on Saturday in L.A. taking on South Korea, who just lost to Mexico earlier in the week. But we're talking U.S. men's national team here, Ivis. Looking at the roster and looking at this game, when you look at the U.S. men's national team, how important is it for them to get a victory at all against South Korea on Saturday? It's not about the victory. It's about seeing what guys can do, seeing what guys can impress your Klinsman and make the most of an opportunity to either solidify their place in the national team or boost their stock on the national team radar. Mm-hmm. Obviously, obviously, you want to get a win because you always want to win, but the result itself isn't nearly as important as finding guys who can help the team. And and, and I'll tell you what, if anything, this is the strongest, uh, this is probably the strongest January camp-friendly roster slash lineup that the team has ever had because of all the guys who've come back, uh, you know, come back now. And how many MLS players are regular starters now? And when you think about it, you're going to have Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Matt Beesler, Omar Gonzalez, uh, Brad Evans. You know, that's a, that's a pretty strong group of guys, uh, Graham Zussi. So, you know, that that group alone should, should you know, ensure a good performance. This South Korea team is not, not terrible. Uh, it's not their full squad. Obviously, they're also missing European-based players. But I think, you know, we saw them against Mexico on Wednesday. And I think they'll put up a decent challenge. But, you know, again, the result is not as important as the chance for some of these, especially some of the newer guys, to, to make a name for themselves. Well, on Saturday, Ivis, things that you will be paying attention to. You have your main guys like Michael Parkers, Brad Evans, Matt Beasler, kind of the marquee guys. But for the young guys like Luis Gill, maybe a guy like Mike McGee, Benny Philhaber, are you going to be watching some of these young guys to see how they do? Maybe possibility for them to catch Jurgen's eye and keep them around in the picture to go to Brazil? Uh, well, based on the name, the players that you mentioned, I think actually some of the guys you mentioned early on are guys who need to do something with this game. Someone like Michael 
Michael Parkhurst, he is not established. He is not. He he does need to show something because the guy hasn't played in over half a season. He's come back to MLS now, and and you know he's in a situation where he's on the fringes. He needs to take full advantage of this. Uh, I think Brad Evans, you know, even though as much as he's played, as much as he's been the starting right back, he still has something there to prove because I think there is some question. I think there is some doubt about whether people really believe he can handle the right back position, especially in the group of death with the wingers that are in that group. You know, I mean, for me, I personally think Jeff Cameron's the better option. But again, this is another, another opportunity mm-hmm. for him and for Michael Parkers to show that they're capable of playing right back. Uh, capable of, of grabbing that starting role, capable of even being on the roster. So I think for them, it's important. When you want to talk about fringe guys, when you talk about Luis Gill, he's a young player. I mean, I heard he's done pretty well in camp. But again, the expectations, how high are they? I mean, he's 20, he's 20 years old. Is he realistically going to be at the World Cup? I don't see it. So, you know, could is it important? It's important for everybody that's there to show well. But for some of the guys that think, you know what, if they do well, it's gravy. If they don't do well, it's it's not really much expected of them, especially the young guys. Shane O'Neill uh, 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 or DeAndre Yedlin, Luis Gill, when they came into camp, the, those were not the expectations. If the expectations are on guys like Parkhurst, guys like Failhaber, uh, who, you know, have been in and, and they're trying to work their way back in. I think it's important for them. Phil Haber, for sure. Someone who is on the radar, on the fringes. Obviously, in the 2010 World Cup, he was a great substitute. And can he recapture that? I think that's something everyone wants to see. And, uh, you know, I think for those guys, this game is absolutely important. I, you're right. I should have said that Omar Gonzalez and Matt Beasler were the for sure guys on defense. So, But for guys like Brad Davis and Wondolowski, Ivis, I mean, a, a good positive performance on Saturday they can only help out their case I don't know honestly really they, they, no because they've played in bigger games than this this game is not going to make or break Wondolowski it's not going to make or break Brad Davis uh, they, they've been in games I mean Brad Davis played in, 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 in World Cup qualifiers before he's played he's scored the winning penalty in a Gold Cup final he's not a newbie he's not someone who's never been on the team before he, he played in 2013 uh, if he goes out and has a stinker sure that could hurt him but I don't think him having a big game against South Korea's B team is going to necessarily boost him into the World Cup conversation. Uh, and so, you know what? I think we need to temper our expectations about this game. It doesn't mean the world to everybody, but it does mean something to certain players on this group, especially the guys who have realistic chances of moving up the radar. Nothing against Brad Davis, you know, but for me, I think there's just a lot of competition for those ring, those wing roles, the wing midfield roles. I think he's a bit of a long shot. I mean, as good as he is, I think at his age, I just, you know, there's some questions there. I mean, I know he provides good service, good left foot. He showed that in that Panama game. But again, it, it, this game is not it is not going to ultimately determine make or break for for a guy like that. Oh, me. okay. Who, who? Okay, fine. And then on this game on Saturday, I mean, when you look at the roster and you, and you look at the list of names there, I mean, who could benefit the most from the game on Saturday? Well, like I said, Michael Parkhurst, someone like Benny Philhaber. I mean, I think if someone like Louis Skill just dazzles, or if he get even if he gets a start mm-hmm. again, we don't know. We don't know who's going to start in this game. I don't know if Louis Skill is someone who's going to necessarily project a start, but I think those fringe guys who are just on on the fringes are the guys who 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 stand the most to gain or the most to lose because if they don't take advantage of this particular game. Come March, the March friendly, uh, is, is that something? Is Klinsman going to take another chance on him? And now we're hearing that there's an April friendly potentially against Mexico, which I think will be another chance to look at the MLS players, MLS slash Mexican League players. So if you're one of those fringe guys mm-hmm. and you can have a good game on Saturday, that will definitely, at least, in my, I would you would think, give you a chance to 
at least maybe be seen once again in that April friendly. And I think that's what those guys are going for. As far as a guy like Mike McGee, I mean, uh, it's tough to say how he's done in camp. I guess we'll see based on the amount of playing time he gets in this game. But for someone like that, I think, yeah, I think this is the kind of game if he struggles on this level against the South Korea B team, then pr- chances are he's probably not going to get another look or, or you know, he's going to struggle to get back in the picture. So it does, the game does mean something to some people. I, I don't want to totally shoot it down as a meaningless game. It's not a meaningless game. I'm just not a fan of people who want to make a January friendly the end-all, be-all for everybody on the roster. It just isn't that. Uh, there have been four, uh, there's four guys on the roster, Ivis, that have yet to receive a cap. Michael Harrington, DeAndre Yedlin, Luis Gill, and you just said Mike McGee. Out of those four, who sees the field first? Yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, you're allowed. I think you're allowed six subs in a friendly. You're going to see these guys. But, uh, again, if for, if we weren't in Brazil and we weren't in camp with those guys, we don't know who's impressed the most. We don't know who's played their way into getting a chance for minutes. I think the fact that Michael Harrington is still there ahead of some of the other fullbacks that were in camp, you know, uh, the Sestinovich, the Chris Clute, the fact that he, in, looking at it on on, you know, on the surface, it seems like maybe he had a better camp than those guys. I think someone like him, it'd be very interesting to see if he gets in and how he does. Because, again, left back is a position where Jurgen Klinsmann needs some bodies. He needs some people who can step in there. And and, and if things go wrong in the next few months, if DeMarcus Beasley gets injured, if Fabian Johnson gets injured, you know, I mean, it, it, the pickings are slim at left back. And uh, I think from that standpoint, the door is open there for somebody to step up. And it looks like it looks like at least on the surface that Michael Harrington did pretty well for himself. Yeah. yeah and no, no offense to Edgar Castillo, but yeah, that, there's a few other guys I like to see up, up top. For me, I was, when I look at this, I think mixed discrude stands to, to gain the most from a positive performance on Saturday. I don't know, man. I mean, I could, could with, he's playing game. Man, he played in the Gold Cup. Final yeah, but it's a crowded. It's a crowded midfield. He, I think, I think he needs to keep having positive performances to get hit playing time. Come World Cup time. Hey, I'll disagree. I'll disagree. I mean, hey, if he stinks, if he stinks it up, if he has an absolute shocker, yeah, sure, it could hurt him. But he doesn't need to set the world on fire in this friendly to keep his place in the conversation. I just don't see that. I mean, he's he had too many meaningful games in the second half of 2013 to all of a sudden have a South Korea B-team friendly in January uh, cost him uh, his place. It's it just not the case. He's He's done enough now to put himself in a really good position. He will be, for me, he will absolutely be there in March, mm-hmm. at the, in the March friendly. And I think he'll, if he's healthy, he'll absolutely be there when the training camp for the World Cup opens up in May, and we'll see what happens from there. So for me, he's done enough already that this one game, you know, oh, if he has a shocker, oh, you know, all of a sudden he's off, he's out of the picture. I just don't see that. Having said that, I think he could do well here. I think this is a good chance for mm-hmm. him to shine and show that he has the quality that a lot of people think he has. I happen to think he's a pretty good player. He's shown that in some really big qualifiers in the Gold Cup final, stepping in for Stuart Holden and and holding things down in the midfield. So I think he's actually boosted his stock uh, as much as as much as most. Like I, there aren't many people who boosted their stock more from July on than Mixed Discrude. So for me, I think if anything, this is a game for him to build on that a bit. But it's again, it's not a make or break for mixed discrude. I'm sorry, I don't agree there. Well, I, I guess what I meant to say is it would further help him out in his case to start in Brazil, especially with the crowded midfield, because I think you can agree that Michael Bradley is for sure the one starter. Who's next to him? Is it Beckerman, uh, Jermaine Jones, Discrude, Jeff Cameron? No. Joking about that, but you know what I'm saying, though. I mean, it's crowded. Against, no, I don't. I don't think a game against South uh, against South Korea's B team is going to help her help him. 
be get closer to being a starter in a World Cup. I disagree. I just don't. I just think for him specifically, I just don't think this game means that. And now, like I said before, this game is not the end all be all for everybody. It doesn't have these humongous ramifications for every player because guess what? Some of these guys have already done enough. That's like saying, oh well, hey Matt Beaster, he better have a good game here because then he could lose ground on people. No, he had great qualifiers he is the best center back in the pool if he has a little bit of a shaky game if he gives up a penalty if he got you know heaven forbid draws a red card or something crazy like that is matt beasler's stock all of a sudden tumble because of a friendly against south korea's b team in january no it's not that folks let's take it easy it means something for some guys and for other guys who have established themselves already it means a lot less and for me for disgroup it doesn't mean quite as much no, I, well, I, first off, I agree with you in the fact that if Beasler has a bad game, it's not like, you know, oh, or, you know, even Disgru, it's not like we're going to be like, oh, pff, that, that guy shouldn't be considered Brazil. But I'm just saying, against a B squad, look, guys like Discarude and Beasler, I mean, they, they should they should ball up. I mean, they, they should pound South Korea. And I want to see that. I want to see Discarude lead the charge and pound South Korea's midfield. I would just like to see that because I think Discarude's a talented player, man, and I think he has a lot of upside for the U.S. men's national team. Right. He should do that. He should. But you know what? These games are always a little tricky. In the January friendlies, they don't always work out the way they're supposed to. I mean, you only have to go. I mean, I've seen too many of these games. And that's where, like, for me, I, maybe I'm a little cynical about it because I feel like every year, and this is, I mean, we've had these games for 10 years now, 10 plus years mm-hmm. now. And I feel like every single time we go into these games, people want to make the game out to be more than it is, way more than it is. And even in situations where we have guys who come into this game and should do well, should dominate, should crush the opposition, a lot of times it just doesn't work out, it work out that way. Because you know what? Even though they've, they've been together for four weeks or three weeks and went to Brazil and went on what was a set, was in some ways like a glorified tourist visit to Brazil, like why we shouldn't assume that we're going to see the beautiful game on Saturday, that we're going to see this U.S. team just dazzle and and knock it around and beat Barcelona and, and just destroy South Korea. That's just not going to happen. You know what happens then? Whenever when when people start expecting that, or people just think, "Oh, hey, half of our starters are on this team," we should absolutely go out there and dazzle and destroy the South Korea team. Guess what? When it doesn't work out that way, then it's all of a sudden the sky's falling, and then we get into this whole cycle. It's not that serious, folks. There are guys who need this game, and there are guys who don't need this game. Everybody, you want everyone to play well. Obviously, Jurgen Klinsmann wants every single guy to play well. No kidding. But it doesn't mean as much for everybody. It means something for some guys, but it doesn't mean as much for everybody. Why you got why you got to be so cynical? Everyone's getting fired up. World Cup starts in a few months. Come on, I You know what? I'll tell you like this. The real games are coming soon enough, folks. There's no need to get all up in arms and get all worried and get all lathered up over games that aren't <laughs> nearly, nearly as important, as serious, as meaningful. This game has meaning for some guys. It's important for some guys, but doesn't mean it has to be important for everybody. That's I'm just that's all I'm saying, folks. Don't get too worked up. Don't get too nervous if if Omar Gonzalez or or uh, you know Landon Donovan or Clint Dempsey don't play that well, and don't go crazy if uh, you know Michael Harrington has like two assists <laughs> or some unknown guy just comes out there and has a pretty good game against the South Korea B team. Don't come out of the game saying, "Oh my lord, this is our guy. We got our answer for the World Cup." It's not that serious, folks. Just take it for what it is. It's a friendly in January. It's a South Korean B team. In some ways, it's a USB team. Uh, look! Look for the individual aspects. Look for the individual certain. The, look for the guys who it does mean something for, and see how they step up. You know, because mm-hmm. if someone who is on the fringes or someone who ha- like Mike McGee, perfect example. Mike McGee, mm-hmm. he hasn't had that opportunity. 
to play yet. Uh, and, and now let's say he gets his first cap. He goes out there and he does really well. Doesn't mean, oh, hey, he has to be on the World Cup team. But it does mean, hey, you know what? He showed something. Let's give him another look. Maybe in March. Definitely in April. If there is an April friendly against Mexico, where it's probably going to be an uh, MLS-heavy uh, team. Then, yes, he earns himself another ticket. That's what this game means. It means an opportunity for those guys on the fringes to keep working their way up the ladder. Uh, and that's what I think people should look at specifically. Not so much the whole group and, oh, you know, are, is, are, you know. Oh, the, t- the team only scored is, one goal or couldn't score. Oh, oh. Is doomed. Don't yeah. Is doomed because we didn't destroy South Korea's B team. Not like, no, no. It's not that <laughs> you know, yeah, but you know people are going to do that, though. They're going to be like, but Mexico beat the fours. You know, you know how people yeah, are. Yeah. They're going to look, they're going to look way too into happens. that stuff. It, it happens every year. Watch, you watch. DeAndre Yedlin will come in and have a baller game. And then watch, we'll have DeAndre Yedlin hype 2.0. I'll, I'll say one thing. Yeah. All I got to remind people of is exactly one year ago today. Mm-hmm. U, uh, U.S., Canada. Everyone was like, oh, the U.S. is going to crush Canada. The U.S. has, you know, our team is just, this team's stacked. Canada's garbage. We're going to crush them. And guess what happened? It was the ugliest game, boring <laughs> game, 0 0. Everyone's like, oh, Lord, we, this year. We're not going to qualify. It's over. This, yeah, the hex is ruined. <laughs> it's, guess what happened? It was like the best, it ended up being the best year ever, right? Um, so from that standpoint, people just need to t- like take it easy. Don't get too worked up about the game. Look for specifics. Look for certain players to see how they handle uh, what is for them a really important opportunity. I agree. I want to see how some guys, yeah, accept the challenge. I want to see how the team responds to some adversity. You know, I, I want look. I, I don't care if it's one zero or five zero. You know, I mean, I, I just want to see some quality football, quality soccer. Excuse me, Ivis. Oh. And I want to see, and I want to see some some guys step up on Saturday. I, I would like to see that. Yeah, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. I, I agree. I don't want. Look, I, I don't want to spend ninety minutes of uh, you know just trying to struggle to keep myself, awake, which is what happened last year. Yeah, I know. But I, I, you know what? I think this team should do well. This team should, considering the players that are on it, considering the number of guys. You know, when you think about a possible lineup. Uh, you know, when you have you know Clint Dempsey, Landon Donovan, Graham Zusi, Mix Disgrude, Eddie Johnson, Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler, Nick Romando, Brad Evans, uh, you know, th- it's a pretty solid team. They should and 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 they've played together before, so we should see some good soccer. We should see you know the U.S. should win this game, but it's not the end. But if they don't, it's not the end of the world. Uh, it, it it could raise some new questions, but it's not the end of the world. <laughs> Um, you, real quick, you, you mentioned Clint Dempsey. He's not with the team, actually. He's not. Oh, it's uh, the guys up top will be most likely probably Landon Donovan and Eddie Johnson. I didn't even. Hey, you got me on that one. I thought he was with the team. When did he leave the team? Uh, well, I mean, he's 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 in Europe right now. He's in England. Oh yeah. Why do you keep saying Clint Dempsey? Totally forgot about the loan. Yeah. Shows you I need to get some sleep. Well, the other thing too is is you know the last thing on this though. I mean, competition's good. So, hey, if a couple guys have a good have a good game on Saturday, Ivis, that just adds you know more speculation, more talk. I mean, competition's good. So, I mean, it shows that guys are hungry, which I mean they should be. So, it's a good thing. Competition is always good. I I agree. I agree. I just I just I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm maybe I've just become a cynic over years of, of seeing people of, of this whole chicken little chicken little syndrome that that we definitely seem to have in this in this sport. And uh, I, I'm, I'll tell you what, I am intrigued to see which players. Jurgen Klinsmann puts into the lineup mm-hmm. that haven't really played much before. That's going to be an interesting one, you know, because you talk about Chris Wondolowski, who apparently has done well in camp. Uh, will he go with Wondolowski and Eddie Johnson up top? Will he go Zusi and Donovan on either wings? Mix this screwed Beckerman in the middle. 
and then obviously Beaster Gonzalez, center backs, Brad Evans, right back. Who do you go left back? Do you go mm. Michael Harrington? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm looking at it right so now. That, you can't say yeah. Clarence. You cannot say Clarence Goodson out there. Uh, Michael Parker's maybe, maybe maybe Michael Parker's left back. Maybe Michael Parker's left back. So that, you know that's a that's a pretty decent lineup, I would say. So uh, or maybe we see Brad Davis at left back. Ooh. Plot the plot not, thickens. Not, not, no, not not as a start. <laughs> I think as an experiment, maybe, but no, nah, no. I'm sorry, he's 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 not a spring chicken anymore. I don't know about him at left back. <laughs> um, watch Wondolowski score a hat trick. <laughs> Oh, he might. But wait, wait. Then, what's your prediction for the game, though? Making a prediction on a game like this is so pointless. I'll do one. USA seven to four. What is this baseball? <laughs> uh, you know what? I'll go two. I'll go two zero US. Two zero. I don't think. I think they'll do okay. I don't think they'll blow them out. I think the defense will be will do well because it should. You know, the defense is is three fourths of the starting defense, mm-hmm. and Nick, and if you assume Nick Romano starts. Uh, he he's pretty solid. So you know that, that's it's interesting you mentioned uh, Nick Armando. Could Sean Johnson or, or Bill Hamid surpass him for Brazil, or do you think Nick has secured that third spot? Based on everything, I I the sense that I get is the third goalkeeper position. Mm-hmm. You really for Klinsman, I think he really wants someone who's going to make the locker room better, someone who's a good team guy. Not so much someone that, oh, you need to put him on the field, although if you have to put him on the field, he can play. And I think Nick Romano, nothing against Sean Johnson, nothing against Bill Hamid, but when you want to talk about a locker room guy, uh, a veteran, someone who, who who's just brings a good vibe to the, to the team, to the squad, Nick Romano's that guy. And so from that standpoint, I think he's the perfect guy. And, and then it's also how, how they fit in with the other goalkeepers. When you think about Tim Howard... Brad Guzan, I think I think the relationship that that Nick Romano has with those guys, especially Tim Howard, I think it's the perfect fit. And and I think from that standpoint, if he's healthy, I think Nick Romano is going to be the third goalkeeper. Right, well, the game will be on Saturday, February first, at the StubHub Center. Kickoff set for two Pacific, Ivis. That's four Eastern, and it will be on ESPN two. If everyone wants to watch it, nice. I might actually get to watch that before I head over to. Uh, to UFC 169. Really? Oh, man. I'll be I'll be a little out of it on Saturday. hammered on a golf course somewhere having a, a Long Island iced tea, bro. What? I don't... Please. Why would I ever drink that? No one believed you right now. You sounded so... Un- you sounded so... All I, drink, all I drink is beer. That's all I drink. I don't... I, unless, like, sometimes every once in a while I'll have, like, a, like, I'll sure? have, like Captain and Coke. I can do that. Pretty sure at the club you were you were drinking a mixed drink when we went out. No, we went out. no way. Which one? Which one? Which club? I bought Coronas at that club. Oh, I don't, oh okay, fair enough. I only drink but, beer, uh, man. I can't believe I forgot about Dempsey being away on loan. You know why I think that is? I think it's because he's just kind of been so quiet since <laughs> he's been at Fulham that it's easy to just forget that he's there. He hasn't quite gotten it going yet. So uh, uh, that would have—I tell you what—that would have been a heck of a January team if uh, you would have had Don, uh, Dempsey and Donovan on it. But it seems like they're never in the same. They, they, like they rarely play together anymore. I don't know what the deal is. It's a conspiracy, Ivis. Yeah, they hate each other. I don't know. <laughs> oh, breaking! Bum 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 bum! SBI I'm show. Totally, I'm totally kidding. I'm <laughs> someone's gonna on Twitter and say, uh, you know, that I just broken the story that Clint Dempsey and, and Landon Donovan hate each other. They do not. It's, I don't know anything about that. So there you go. Uh, well, speaking of uh, well, things things aren't quiet. Ivis, speaking of the Americans abroad, you just mentioned Clint Dempsey's with Fulham. 
very quiet. Jermaine Jones, Ivis, officially on the move, heading over to Turkey, heading over to Besiktas. What do you make of this move for him? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if there was a betting line on you saying that name right, I think it would have been about it's, be- it's I think it's Besiktas. It's close enough. Yeah, it's close. That's close. Besh- Besiktas. I think Besiktas. Besiktas. Besiktas? Besiktas. There you go. I don't know what you said. Besiktas. It was, it was not that. It's close right, enough. Wait. But he, he's on the move. Ivis, what do you make of the move? <laughs> Uh, he needed to make a move. Uh, it, it, it seemed like an uncomfortable situation in Schalke and, and, and almost, you know, I think I feel like when Kevin Prince Boateng got there, it was, you know, like it was already kind of the writing was on the wall for Jermaine Jones to move on. And I know you wanted to come to MLS and, and, you know, obviously I don't think the money was there for him to make that move. And, and he goes to Turkey, which is, a you know, look, Turkey's a good league. Besiktas is a good team. They're, they're a quality team year in, year out. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's a good move for him. I think he's going to be playing at a pretty good level. And, you know, he obviously wanted to experience something new, having played in the in the Bundesliga pretty much in his entire career, except for that Blackburn loan uh, when he went over to England for, for half a season. And as long as he's getting games, I think it's going to help him just kind of be in that in that zone where, you know, you want to think he's he's still capable of starting uh, starting next to Michael Bradley in the midfield for the U.S. And he really couldn't afford to stay at Schalke, especially – uh, it seemed like he was persona non grata there. Him and the manager didn't seem to get along anymore. So he had to move. He had to get out of there uh, just to keep kind of things okay for him for the World Cup. So I think it's a good move, and I think Turkey's a pretty good league. Also this weekend, I have this in- intriguing matchup. Uh, Gucian Yewu and Breck Shea are going to be playing against each other. That'll be this weekend. So people want to watch them, that's a good game you can watch. Staying in <laughs> England, um, Freddie Adu's name popped up with Blackpool. What's, what's the deal with this, Ivis? It's there's nothing there. He's he is training at Blackpool, uh, but uh, you know there's no. I mean you could. I mean it's so funny because in Europe there's no concept of training stints. There's no concepts of a, a player just coming to train. It's like if a, if a player's with the team, it's a trial regardless, up and down trial. So is it a classic trial? No, it's not really a trial. Um, from what I've been told, it's it's just really a chance for him to train and and obviously if he impresses, then you know maybe something could come of it, but. Uh, I think he's in limbo right now. I think he's trying to weigh his options and see what's there for him. Um, you know, I had heard earlier in the in January about a possibility uh, of him going back to Turkey. Uh, you know, for those who remember, he he had a stint in the Turkish second division, which actually helped uh, turn things around for him a bit before the 2011 Gold Cup. That really that time mm-hmm. there in the second division really helped him get on that Gold Cup team, and he really took advantage of that and did really well mm-hmm. uh, on that on that U.S. team. But He's he's in a tough spot right now, you know. I mean, I think options are limited, and he he, from what I understand, he doesn't want to come back to to the U.S. right now. He doesn't hmm. want to go to MLS. He's. I mean, I know some people have talked about the NASL and the Cosmos, and I definitely don't see that. You know, for him, I think if he wanted to, I'm pretty sure he could play in in a lower European league if he chose to. If he wanted to go to a Denmark or a Belgium, I think I'm I'm pretty positive that if he wanted that, he could he could find that. But I think he's still holding holding out hope of, of being at a bigger league. And for that reason, I think he's kind of still weighing his options. And again, he's a free agent. Uh, Bahia, the Brazilian club, uh, let him go. They released him. At, he's, he's out of contract now. So he's not bound by the January transfer window deadline uh, for, you know, for those thinking about the deadline. And he hasn't moved by the deadline. It doesn't matter. His, his, he's not bound by that. So a team can sign him after the deadline. And maybe, you know what, that could work to his advantage. You know, if you have a team that's looking, uh, needs a playmaker and, and thinks that, you know what, he can bring something to mm-hmm. the table, then he can find that opportunity. So I think 
if anything, maybe being patient can work out for him. Uh, but again, obviously, you know, he's in a tough spot. He hasn't played he hasn't played consistently in some time now. Mm-hmm. And I know there's definitely questions about the number of teams he's been on and maybe you know, will will teams take a chance on him? For me, I think he will find an opportunity, but I think he's going to have to wait, and it may not be at the level that he wants, but as he's done before, as he did before in Turkey in the second division, sometimes you take that lesser opportunity, and it helps lead you to something better. When the, well, you're, first off, you're exactly right about the games. I mean, when you look at him and the appearances that he's made for clubs, I mean, 2002, the Philadelphia Union had 28 appearances, but... I mean, the last time he made that many appearances, he had to go back to 2006, Ivis. So for Freddie do, I mean, he needs to get matches. And he's still young. He's 24. Like, and he has potential, like you just said. I mean, I still remember that Gold Cup game like it was yesterday. I mean, he was lights out in that game. He was. He was. And, at, I mean, at the end of the day, his performance in those two games, in the in the Gold Cup semi, when he came on as a sub and helped set up the winner against Panama, and, and in that Mexico, in the final against Mexico, he was outstanding. And, that, and those two games alone helped him earn – uh, a pretty big contract from MLS. It, he pretty much parlayed that into a huge three-year contract uh, DP deal with the Philadelphia Union. Uh, but he's but now he's kind of back in that same limbo that he was in before uh, in early 2011. I mean, he was in pretty much the same situation going into 2011. He didn't know what he was going to do. No one knew where he would end up. And then he ends up going to to Rizespor, Turkish second division side, who they're now actually in the, in the I believe they're in the first division actually now in Turkey. And he parlayed that into kind of a renaissance, right? And and that's the thing. I mean, I think people. It's interesting because he still moves the needle from the standpoint of fans care about mm-hmm. him. A lot of fans love him. A, a lot of fans remember the skill and know, and have seen the skill through the years, and wanna and wanna believe that he can still do that and still bring something to the table. And uh, from that standpoint, will the question is: Are there still clubs who believe in that? And and I, I think there will. Be, I think he will have an opportunity, or will. You know, find some opportunities in Europe. Uh, I don't think it's time. I don't think he's going to come back to MLS this year. I think you know maybe he'll have to go to a lower division in Europe uh, and and work things out there. But I think the I think ability. I think he has ability. I think he can bring something to the table. It's all about finding the right situation, and he and it's on him too. It's not on it's it's on him to take full advantage if and when that next opportunity presents itself. Well, changing gears completely. What kind of? We're kind of kind of keeping it in Europe, but we're going to bring it back to Major League Soccer. Freddie Montero, Ivis, uh, Sporting Lisbon bought the rest of his contract. What does that mean for the Seattle Sounders? Well, I mean, I think everyone knew this was coming. I mean, obviously, with as well as he's done for Sporting, uh, it was going to happen, right? He's been lights out. He's really taken advantage of, of that move over there. And and if you're Seattle, you, you you it's what you planned, it's what you hoped was would happen. It was a it was this has become the best case scenario for Seattle when they loaned him out because they loaned him out. Uh, obviously, it, it was a it was to a point now where they had to go in another direction. He was they they decided he wasn't going to be part of the future. So that being the case, they needed him to go off, play well, boost his value, and now he's now they sold him, and now they're going to use that use the resources from that to help uh, continue to revamp and reload their roster. And that move should help them uh, with what might be the next move for them, which is, you know, uh, Marco Papa, the former Chicago Fire midfielder who is has signed with MLS and is available to go through the allocation order. Seattle has the top allocation spot. I reported three weeks ago that Seattle was lining up a move for him. And it makes all the sense in the world. If you look at Seattle's depth chart, uh, with the pieces that they have in place, Marco Papa would be a perfect piece to that puzzle. Uh, you could slot right in on the left wing. 
uh, and it helps them move other pieces around. He can play in the middle. Uh, he can offer some. He can offer some depth there as well. So I think he's the perfect fit for them. I know there's been rumors about Eric Freeberg coming back. I'm not. I, I've never. Like I said in the last show, you know, if you're asking me to compare Papa to Freeberg, I think it's a no-brainer. You go with free, You go with Papa without a doubt. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if that's the move they make. That's. I mean, I had heard that that's what they're going to do, and if they pull that off, that's a big move for Seattle. And Ivis, the Philadelphia Union continue to add to their midfield, signing French midfielder Vincent Noguera. What does this bring? What does he bring to the Union? What does this mean for the Union? Well, the one thing they've been looking for for quite some time is someone to be kind of a pure playmaker for them. Uh, they've struggled to kind of fill that role through the years. You know, I know Roger Torres at one point was thought of, of as someone who could do that. Michael Farfan was thought of somebody who could do that. Freddie Adu obviously was brought in as, as someone that they thought could do that. And now they have Noguera, French player who's a young, who's young, uh, you know, younger than European players usually are that come over from uh, come over to MLS. Uh, he's he's got some quality to him, and I think he if if everything you hear is legit, and I mean obviously he's coming over from the French league and and where where he was he did play regularly. If if he's at the level that that you, you expect him to be at, that's a huge boost for them, for the Union. They have the forwards. Uh, Jack McInerney, Connor Casey, Sebastian Latou. If they, if Nogueira can be that kind of playmaker for them, if he can be a creator for them, then all of a sudden, add that to the Mark Marisa Du signing, add that to the Maidana signing. All of a sudden, that midfield looks really impressive and has the ability to make them not just a playoff team, but maybe one of those that one a, a candidate to be that team that shocks mm-hmm. and makes a huge jump. Uh, obviously, a lot of other things need to get worked out there, and uh, defensively, and, and you know, does Zach McMath continue to improve, or does Andre Blake take the job? There's still some questions there, but from an offensive standpoint, the Union now look like a team that you know a year ago they were a little bit predictable offensively. Uh, you know, they relied heavily on Jack McInerney, and then when he got cold, they relied on Connor Casey a bit. It wasn't the most it wasn't, you know, they didn't score a ton of goals. Now with this group of guys, the, with the additions they've made, this at Philadelphia Tech actually could be pretty fun to watch. Okay. In the Eastern Conference, Ivis, between D.C., Toronto, and Philadelphia, who improved their team the most? Well, the, that's a different question than who's going to finish higher. Because, again, they did not all start in the same spot. Philadelphia missed the playoffs by three points. They weren't that far away. DC United had the fewest wins in the history of the league. But if you're asking me who improved their team uh, the most from the, from last year to this this year, it, you know what? I think DC really added a lot of pieces. Uh, Toronto added some amazing pieces when you think about Michael Bradley, uh, Jermaine Defoe, Dwayne De Rosario, uh, and then the Brazilian forward that they added as well, and Justin Morrow. So they, you know what? They, all three of them have done well. I'll say all three, but for me. I think DC United is going to make the biggest jump, but having said that, Philly didn't have that far to go to mm-hmm. be a playoff team, and now I think they they absolutely will be a playoff team. Yeah, moving and heading out to the West Coast, I was, was we've been seeing a lot of Major League Soccer clubs partner with the USL Pro Clubs. You know, last year, you know, the the bigger one, Sporting Kansas City uh, and Orlando City, uh, but the LA Galaxy they have decided not to partner with anyone, and they're going to field their own USL Pro Club. What do you make of this, Ivis? Do you think this is a one-time thing? Do you think we'll see other teams follow what the Galaxy are doing right now? Well, I think it's going to be – it's definitely going to be something that teams are going, other teams are going to look at without a doubt. I, I think if uh, if L.A. has success with it, if they're able to, to fully maximize the potential there and really turn that into a pipeline for their homegrown players – 
uh, a place for them to cult to, to to really groom and cultivate uh, their their younger prospects. Um, I think you absolutely will see other teams do that, especially teams that have the financial muscle to pull something like that off. Because let's face it, it's not exactly a drop in the bucket. Uh, even even for it to be USL Pro, I mean, to run a USL Pro team is not cheap. Mm-hmm. There's money. It's a ca- there's a capital investment there. Uh, a team, obviously, you look at teams like New York City FC, New York Red Bulls, Seattle Sounders, the teams that have the deep pockets. I think they're going to look at this, and if it works out, if LA really does a good job with it, I think these other teams are going to have to follow suit, just have to keep up with the Joneses. And I know some people are still curious about what it all means. What's the point, uh, especially now that it came out that, you know, M- other MLS teams can file discovery claims on players on this team, non-homegrown players that are on this team. But again, I think that's the main point of this for the Galaxy. They have they have a great academy set up. Uh, they have a lot of talent coming up, their, up through the pipeline that there's nowhere for them to go. And what better way to kind of keep rein that in and, and find a place for those guys to continue to grow than to establish your own team, your own, you know, you, you lower, lower division team that has ties to the big team that mm-hmm. you can kind of, you know, have have guys go train with the big team and, and, and let Bruce Arena get a closer look at some of these guys. And then also take your younger guys, you know, some of these uh, homegrown players who are going to sign deals uh, like a Raul Mendiola or something, you know, that perfect opportunity. I mean, he, you know, 18 year old kid, not necessarily going to play real minutes at MLS, but Hey, go send him to USL pro. And more importantly, have it be a setup where the coaching staff there mm. is tied in directly to the galaxy first team. There's a philosophy in place, top to bottom, because it's a different thing than taking four of your young players, putting them on a plane, and saying, "Okay, you know, they'll they'll take care of you." Uh, and, and you know, you might tr- you know you might have a good relationship with that club. You might know the coach, but it's not it's not the same. They're not part of the same organization. And I think what this does it it ties it all in together. And I think it could be great. And you know what? It's it. Uh, Kurt Anolfo is the guy uh, who's going to be tasked to make it all work, and and if he makes it work, if he if he turns it into what LA is dreaming it can be, mm-hmm. which is a pipeline for their younger talent, I think I think other teams are going to have to follow suit. I think they're going to. Mm-hmm. There's no excuse for it, and and that's the thing when it comes down to it. I I, I say it all the time. Let's talk about money and MLS, and 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 you know, is it fair or not fair that some teams can spend more money than others? And you know what? That's just. Like it is fair. It is fair because yeah. there are no poor owners in MLS. There are no poor. Every owner in MLS has money, has the financial wherewithal. The question is, which of them are ready to really invest in the product and really, really try to put a competitive team on the field on a consistent basis, spend what it takes to make that happen? And I think this is just another example of the mm-hmm. Galaxy being willing to do what it takes to 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 help build a winner. Now, I think this is going to be great for the Galaxy. I, I mean, the LA area is loaded with young talent to begin with, and, and not that I want to compare the Galaxy to Barcelona, Ivis, but you know, it, it's worked out well for Barcelona having a B squad. I mean, guys like Messi have moved up there, Iniesta. So for the I mean, not I'm, I don't want to compare before people start being like, we're not going to be like that. But what I'm saying, I'm backing up what Ivis said. Keep them in house. That's the way to build a winning team. There you go. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Ivis, man, that wraps up the show. And uh, you and I have a busy weekend ahead of us. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. But it should be good. And we're finally, finally going to have a game to talk about. We're going to have some action to dissect, some new players to, to, to you know, uh, rave about mm-hmm. or to rip. At least we'll have something to talk about. It's been, I mean, it's been, what, 
two months since the since the U.S. team played. So I think it's gonna be great, uh, great chance to see some of these guys. And uh, uh, I'm a little bit excited. I gotta say, I'm a little excited to see because you know what? It's we're that much closer to the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Every step counts. I mean, I just this week I booked all my flights uh, in to Brazil and in Brazil, and uh, I'm pumped, man. It, it's coming. It's coming. Four months away, folks. It's uh, the World Cup's gonna be here before you know it. Did you get me a window seat? Ha <laughs> ha! Yeah, I got, I got. I'll save you a spot in my luggage. How about that? I could probably fit. <laughs> there you go. Maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah. I, well, first off, yeah. I, I'm, look, I finally we get to talk about a game, Ivis. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see. As I said, folks, don't go crazy if it's not a pretty game or it's not a great result. Uh, and and don't get overly happy if you know someone scores a hat trick that you didn't expect or or you know Michael Harrington look you know looks like Roberto Carlos. Uh, drops three assists or something crazy like that i mean it'll be good obviously it'll be positive just take it all in stride folks take it all with moderation don't get too crazy the sky will not be falling and it will not be party time either way just take it for what it is well okay time out it's always party time that's for sure well that's true yeah that's true yeah Yeah. you know what what is it win or lose we still booze is that what it is (laughs) That, that's your. I'm pretty sure that's your school's alma mater. Right? I think. I think. Yeah. I think that. I think after ASU games, we would leave at halftime and just start chanting that how we're going to go drink. That was. That's how. Yeah. <laughs> very. Exactly. Very proud of my degree from Arizona State. <laughs> I tell you what, folks. No matter what. No matter what the U.S. does, you should celebrate, or you should. You should drink. You'll either be drinking in celebration, or you'll be drowning your sorrows. There you go. <laughs> but again, drink responsibly. <laughs> Sorrows. Oh my God! You, I, I'm sorry, but like it's hard to fathom someone just bawling their eyes out if the U.S. loses on Saturday. I mean, yeah, well, uh, you can be upset, but listen, no one's gonna be ball. I don't think anyone's gonna be balling, but I guarantee you, if the U.S. loses the game or has a bad game and some people struggle, the comments will be flying on SBI, and people will be out there in force. There's just that contingent that just is just just super negative. Just waits for waits for for a reason to get just overly negative about things. Yeah, well, that's, that's, yeah there's, there's always people like that. Uh, well, Ivis, man, that wraps it up. You uh, you have a good weekend, and you and I will be back next week on Monday with the show breaking down the game on Saturday. So, Ivis, have a good time this weekend. Thanks, man. And if you like the show or even love the show, why don't you throw Ivis and I a review on iTunes? We always appreciate the comments everyone leaves for us on the website as well. Thank you for listening. This is the SBI Show.